Before we begin, I would like to say thank you to our sponsor, Woodland Ag, Quality Red Angus, for sponsoring the Feedlots, the Uncensored Truth series. Woodland Ag is located on the southern side of the Red River and is home to commercial cattle and registered cattle alike. For more information on Woodland Ag's Quality Red Angus genetics or just a talk shop, call 903-249-2515. Woodland Ag, raise them right, raise them red. Civilization, as it is known today, could not have evolved, nor can it survive without an adequate food supply. Norman Borlaug. Now, when I hear that, I think to myself, well, obviously we can't live without an adequate food supply. But then I think of the ways we need to achieve an adequate food supply. And some of those old-timey ag practices just don't cut it like they used to. Sure, I know many successful ranchers who raise their cattle on grass, and they feed the world. But not all beef is raised on a few thousand acres of grass and hay. In 2018 alone, the U.S. produced 26.8 billion pounds of beef. And generally speaking, about half of which was raised at a feedlot. So why is it that so many consumers don't even know what the word feedlot means? Furthermore, why do so many of these consumers assume that feedlots are essentially as dear as hell on earth? Maybe it's time we explore just exactly what a feedlot is and why feedlots are important. This week, we'll hear from Maylene Frost, a feedlot manager at Santana Feeders in Edgar, Montana, who not only gives us a truthful lesson about where our food comes from, but offers a rebuttal to those who doubt the feedlot system. From the Activist vs. Agriculture audio archives, I'm Improvise. And this is the final installment of Feedlots, The Uncensored Truth. As defined by the dictionary, a feedlot is an area or building where livestock are fed or fattened up. A feedlot is a facility that holds cattle, that feeds and cares for cattle to raise them to the whatever the producer desires, whether it's to grow them, to get them ready to breed and to go back out on pasture, whether it's to fatten them, to get them ready for slaughter. There's, there's a lot of different things that, that a feedlot does, um, but it's, it's basically a facility where we can help the cattle grow to, to achieve their ultimate goal. Maylene and her husband manage a feedlot in South Central Montana. Maylene herself has been working with cattle for decades and knows her way around a feedlot. I was able to visit with her at Santana back in May. The goal for the animals in a feed yard is to get them to eat, to get them to convert that feed into meat. If they're not happy and they're not healthy, they're not going to eat. This, the science is there so that we know that we can take care of every specific need that those animals have nutritionally as opposed to putting them out on pasture and hoping that they're getting what, what they need. You know, we can supplement them out there with mineral supplements and things like that, but we can't guarantee that they're getting everything they need. In here, we can guarantee that. Our yard, we can run about 10,000 head of calves, and in the fall, we, we take in calves mainly directly from their mothers. We have 
several feeders or several producers that we will feed for will take their calves in and grow them typically for grass most of the calves will start as as a calf coming straight off its mom and then we'll grow them to seven eight hundred pounds depending on depending on what the producer wants what their what their final goal is with them and a lot of them will go back out to grass some of them will grow a little bigger eight nine hundred pounds and then they will go to a finish yard where they will um, they'll grow for anywhere from 120 to 190 days before they're ready for slaughter. It's a big challenge to mm -hmm. take those to take those calves and, and watch them grow and see what they turn into and know that you've helped them along the way, that you've kept them healthy and helped them to attain their final goal, which is beef for your plate. It's exciting to me to see what you can what you can help the animal do to achieve its goal. Mm -hmm. You know the the goal that you set for that animal. What what they're what they've been put on the earth for. What they're designed for. Cattle were designed to feed us and to provide milk for us. They were that that's what God designed them for. And it's really exciting to be able to step out there and say, look what we can do. How many people we can feed with with how few of resources we can do it with. The last year, Santana feeders produced 27.3 million pounds of beef. To put that into perspective, Maylene said a good carcass weight, which is the amount of beef taken from that animal once it's slaughtered, coming out of Santana is around 800 pounds. That is a lot of cattle. There's not enough grass out there to feed that many animals. There's no way you could do that. Number one, there's not that much grass out there. If there was that much grass out there, it would take three times as long to get the animal to that body weight to be able to produce that many pounds of meat as it does to feed them a highly a high concentrated diet, a high carbohydrate diet here in the feedlot. So in order to feed the world, which is what we do, we, not just the U.S., but to feed the world, we have to have the capability to bring those animals in, feed them to produce the beef a little faster than you would out in the pasture. Contrary to popular belief, producing beef this way in a feedlot actually reduces our carbon footprint. Maylene said that with less cattle on less land, you use less water while you produce beef faster than you normally would. I know movies like the popular Cowspiracy want us to believe that feedlots are monsters of carbon emissions. But in reality, the statement that feedlots are worse for the environment than raising cattle on thousands of acres of grass is completely false. People say that it hurts our environment. It's actually helping our environment. It helps reduce our carbon footprint. I know people don't understand that, but you have less cattle using less land and they're using less water you, you you produce the beef faster than you normally would so that that reduces the amount the amount of water the amount of land the amount of everything that you've got out there so that helps make our carbon footprint a little smaller mm -hmm. there's really no other viable option that's good for the planet and good for the people as far as protein production 
the only way that we could do anything different is if people quit eating beef. And we don't want that. You don't want to quit eating beef. If you do quit eating beef, you have to get your protein source somewhere else. And farming soybeans, say, for your protein is, is, not, is not an option. You would increase your carbon footprint, and there's not enough farm ground out there to get that much protein to replace the beef. Switching gears here, Maylene went on to defend another common misperception in feedlots. The idea that fed cattle are not cared for properly, that they're neglected, that the feeders just simply don't care, which couldn't be further from the truth. The happier we can keep them, the healthier they stay. The healthier they stay, the better our bottom line is. So there's, there's a lot of things that we do to keep the animals happy that makes them healthy. Maylene explained in detail the amount of time and consideration which goes into getting a specific animal acclimated to the feed yard. First, cattle are introduced to a smaller pen and given a ration in a feed bunk. Now, a ration would be a mixture of grains to fatten the cattle up, and a feed bunk is a giant concrete feed trough where the ration is delivered. They are then shown where the water tanks are located in said pen. And water tanks are basically a, another giant trough, which is typically metal or concrete with water in it that is always recirculating so that the water is clean and healthy for the animal to eat. And once they have adjusted to their environment, Santana feeders will process the cattle, meaning they will check out their health and give them any vaccines or medications they may need. They will then give them individual identification and a record. Anything done to that individual animal can be recorded and looked back on at a later time. Once the cattle are here, they're looked at every day, at least once a day by a cowboy in the pen, most times twice a day. We'll ride into the pen, move the cattle around, assess their, their health status, whether, whether we think maybe they're a little lame or whether they have a problem with their eye or whether maybe they've got a respiratory illness. If we find anything like that, we'll take that animal out, we'll administer antibiotics, and then we'll put that animal back into its pen so it has the same, it doesn't miss its brothers and sisters, so to speak, it's, mm -hmm. it's, in, it's in its herd and they're comfortable where they're, where they're at. Once everybody gets adapted, then we can start commingling them in bigger pens, mm -hmm. but we won't do that until everybody's had their vaccine so that we can help them with their immune system get a little bit better. When, when it gets wet or muddy, we'll clean the pans and give them a dry space. We'll scrape the, the mud and the manure out of the way so they've got a dry space to lay down and a comfortable space for them. Even in the big corporate yards, constant, they have crews that do nothing but clean pans every day. That's all they do. They clean the pans every day. There's someone out there cleaning the pans, cleaning the water tanks. So it's not just small feed yards like ours that do that. Every feed yard does that because it's, it's all the same thing. If the cattle aren't happy in a little yard, they're not gonna be happy in a big yard. It's, it's the things that you do like that to make the cattle comfortable and happy, to make them more healthy. That, that produces better beef faster. And God gave us cows to eat. Mm -hmm. That's that's what he put him here for, and he put us 
and dominion over them to take care of them, to be, to raise them and, and take the best care of them we can. It's, that's one of our, I say it's our gift from God to be able to do that and to, to raise it and to raise beef and to be able to feed people. I mean, we, we take a lot of pride in, in what we put out there. We don't do this for the money. We do it for the love of animals. Saying that, we do it for the money. It's our job. That's what we do. But I guarantee you that, <laughs> that most people, if they knew what we actually made or lost in a year, would not do this business if they didn't love the animals. We don't open presents on Christmas morning. We open presents Christmas evening. We don't go to church Easter Sunday. We don't have, well, we have Thanksgiving dinner mid, usually late day, not midday. We don't do all those things because we're here with the cattle, taking care of the cattle their first priority. All those other things that other people get to do, you know, they get to watch their little kids get up Christmas morning and run and find their presents under the tree. We've never done that. My son has got to bundle up and go get in the feed truck or go get horseback and look at the cattle and make sure everybody was okay first. They're our first priority regardless. Of, of what's going on. In the middle of the night, if we get a big windstorm come in, we're, we're up here checking on the cattle to make sure everybody's calm, everybody's okay, that nobody's stirred up and nothing has spooked them and they're gonna run through a fence or get hurt or anything. They're our first priority. It's, it's what we do. It's, it's, it's our life. It's not a job. It's our livelihood. Speaking from personal experience, Maylene is absolutely right. Ranchers, farmers, and feeders know it all too well. There simply are no days off. Producers are on call 24-7, 365 days a year, including weekends and holidays. And even if you're not technically at work, you're always thinking about it. You know, in most cases, a person with this type of work-life balance will be considered a workaholic, but for producers, it's a way of life. I don't think people realize what we do to put food on the table. What 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 all it entails, how like I said, it's not it's not just a job, it's our life. It's what it's what we do and it's it bothers me when people when people who don't know say that we're mean to the animals or that we abuse them. Nothing is farther from the truth. And I, I would invite anyone who thinks that to visit, visit with a local rancher, visit with a feed yard, go find out for yourself what really, what really happens. Educate yourself. Go there firsthand and see what it is. Because I guarantee you 99% of the people who do this for a living want you to know. They want you to know what they do and how they treat the animals and what all goes into it. They're, no one has anything to hide. They, they want you to know. 
because they're passionate about it. It's it's their life. That's what they've chose to do, and they're passionate about what they do and about the animals. If you didn't love the animals, if you didn't care for them, you wouldn't be here doing this. There's no way, because like I said, they they come before everything. My biggest takeaway from my visit to Santana Feeders with Maylene Frost was that it takes way more work to run a feedlot than most people think or even know. The amount of time spent diligently caring for these animals in the most ethically and environmentally sound way possible is mind-blowing to me. My visit with Maylene reassured me that in a world of anti-ags who try to get us down, we're still fighting for our industry. And just like we always have and always will, because as Maylene said many times, that's what we do. Again, I would like to thank our sponsor, Woodland Ag, and give a special thanks to my brother, Evan Provence, for helping me out with the audio this week. I would also like to say thank you to Maylene Frost for agreeing to share her story and my dear friend Megan Kramer for helping me with some logistics. Echoing Maylene, I think it's important for consumers to talk to a rancher, farmer, or feeder to see firsthand what goes into producing their food. So if you would like to explore these options, please send me an email. My email is mpurviance97 at gmail.com and I'll be thrilled to put you in contact with the producer. For Activists versus Agriculture, I'm in Provines. And whether you're eating a carnivorous diet or a plant-based diet, be sure to thank an agriculturalist because they're the reason why your belly's full. <laughs>